0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to St. John's. Um, good Good morning. Good morning. Great. Nice to see. Uh, Lots of people, some old friends and some new friends. Lovely to see some familiar faces. If we've not met before, my name's Graham. I'm the vicar of the church, uh, and I know that I'm seeing various friends that I've known over the years here uh, back today to celebrate uh, with the candidates for baptism. So, just a quick reminder that uh, a little later on, Tobias or Toby is going to be baptized, Amaya, Gabriel, and Ben will be baptized, and Morag is going to renew her baptism vows. So, if you're here to support any of those people, you are so welcome. we are delighted that you are here with us. Baptism, what's with all the water? It's a funny old thing, isn't it? And as you came in, hopefully you saw the pool uh, filling up. It's, we're, we're trying to get it to a nice stable 35 degrees um, Fahrenheit. Uh, so you know, baptism is supposed to be a little kind of death and it might feel a little kind of deathly cold when you get in, but we're gonna have a fun time a little later on. I want to think just a little bit about the symbolism of water in the Bible and in some of the best known stories. And and I want to think about why water is involved in baptism. I saw a video recently, my kids introduced me to it, and it was a little boy who was really excited about being baptized. Do you wanna see? This morning, uh, we have accepted Christ as his savior, And as his Lord, and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. (laughs) And so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the (laughs) Holy (laughs) Spirit. (laughs) isn't that great that's the kind of excitement we want about baptism because baptism is about joining the family of jesus christ about being knit mystically into his body and there's a lot of water involved and to think a bit about the water i want to start with uh, one of the most famous stories about water in the bible it's the story of noah and the flood and just in case you've forgotten it let's watch a little video recap
1: god's story noah So part of God's story is about Noah, and it begins like this. First, let's start at the beginning. God created the world to be the most perfect home, with mountains as playgrounds and oceans as swimming pools. Then God made people to be like Him and to live in it. And He wanted us to play with animals and explore jungles and be close to Him forever. It was perfect. But instead, people ran away from God. They hurt each other. It ruined the perfect home God had built for them. The Bible says this made God really, really sad. So sad, in fact, that God decided to wash away all the evil and meanness and cruelty in the world by sending a huge flood to destroy everything, to get rid of all the wrong things and the people who kept doing them. But there was one guy who followed God. That's right, Noah. God had a special rescue plan for Noah. He told Noah to build a big boat called an ark to stay in during the flood. It had to be big enough for Noah's wife and kids and at least two of every kind of animal on earth. So, pretty big. And Noah had to build it in the middle of dry land, which means his neighbors probably thought he was crazy or at least a little weird. Kids, sometimes following God looks a little weird. We're okay with that. Anyway, looking weird didn't stop Noah. He knew he needed to be rescued. So he finished the ark and waited for God to bring the animals, and God brought them all right. Just imagine what those neighbors thought when they saw an entire zoo strolling through their yards. When Noah's family and all the animals were inside, God shut the door. Then the Bible says God opened the bottom of the ocean and the windows of the sky. We don't know what that means exactly, but we do know it was tons of water. It rained like this for 40 days and 40 nights. And the rain wasn't the worst of it. Once the water stopped, it didn't go away. Noah and his family sat cooped up, floating in the ark for over a year, just waiting. And waiting and waiting. Did we mention they waited? Well, when the tops of the mountains finally started to show, Noah sent out a dove to see if there was dry land. There wasn't. A week later, he sent the dove again. The water was going down. A week later, Noah sent out the dove one last time. It didn't come back, which meant it had found a home. Noah and his family could leave the ark. The very first thing Noah did was build an altar to worship God and thank him for his rescue. And God made a covenant with Noah, which is like a very special promise. God promised never to destroy the earth with a flood even though he knew humans would keep right on doing wrong things that made him sad. God put a rainbow in the sky to remind Noah that he would definitely keep this promise. And just like God rescued Noah, he would one day send his own perfect son, Jesus, to earth. Jesus would take the punishment of all people. Then, God could be close to everyone who wants to follow him. And that's the story of Noah. So, in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God made a perfect home. People ruined it. God was sad. He planned a flood and a rescue. Noah built an ark. Animals came. It rained. Noah waited. Dry land appeared. Noah worshipped God. God made a promise. God sent Jesus to rescue us. And that's a part of God's story.
0: Great. So quick multiple choice quiz to see how well we remember the story of Noah and the ark. So uh, first question, because the earth would be flooded, God told Noah to uh, put your hands up if you think it's A, take swimming lessons, B, build a big ark, a boat, a few of you think it's B, C, bring his washing in before it starts to rain, some of you are not joining in, yes, we've got one vote for number C, excellent, okay, let's check, it is... B, build a big ark. Give yourselves a round of applause if you got that right. Come on, work with me here. Next question. Uh, The animals went into the ark. A, two by two. Good. B, in a four by four. Or C, with some two by four. Okay, let's check the answer. It is A, two by two, good. Okay, number three. Um, The rain fell and flooded the earth. A, on every bank holiday. Yes, one vote for that. Uh, B, for 40 years in the wilderness. Or C, for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, good, hands up, let's check it. 40 days and 40 nights, yep, good. Question number four. How many sheep did Noah take into the ark? Was it A, two? Was it B, 14? few votes for 14, or C, seven? Let's check the answer, it's... B, 14. Wow. It's like a little trick question. The Bible says that Noah had to take two of every animal and seven pairs of every clean animal. So those which were clean according to the later Jewish food purity laws, like sheep, were taken in seven pairs. So there you go. Next time you're at a pub quiz and that comes up, you'll know the answer is 14. Uh, Noah's three sons were called. Hands up for A, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Nobody? Really? B, Stock Aiken, and Waterman showing my age, uh, C, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I think you've all got that right, let's check. Yep, Shem, okay, number six. When the waters receded, the ark came to rest on A, Mount Ararat, B, Yasa Arafat, again, my age, or C, Mount Doom. Let's check it, it's Mount Ararat, number seven. Uh, There's only two more of these, don't worry. When the waters had gone down further, Noah sent, A, an email to his home insurers to check if he was covered for flood damage, B, uh, a dove to see if there was dry land anywhere, or C, his son, see shops for supplies. Let's check it, you said B, the answer said, yep, it's B. Number eight, uh, what sign did God give Noah to reassure him for the future? Was it uh, a flood warning, a no drinking water, or a rainbow? Hands up for the rainbow. Yeah, we all know this. Good, let's check it. Good. Good knowledge on the story of Noah and the flood. Well, what's with all the water? Do you know, when I was young, I didn't really like water. I had an ear infection when I was a child, so I didn't learn to swim until I was a little bit older, and I didn't really like going in the water. And then when I was maybe about 10 or 11 years old, I went kayaking, and I capsized, and I couldn't get out of the kayak, and I was stuck underwater for a little bit, and that wasn't very nice, so I got a bit scared of water. But then I became a teenager, and um, I grew up in Bristol in the southwest, and friends started going surfing, and surfing was cool. And like boys who surfed, my get a girlfriend. So I thought I'd start surfing and overcome my fear of water. So I took up surfing and I learned to love water. And indeed, a little later on, I actually went and did a lifeguard qualification, had to do all kinds of things, learning to do those things, and came to love water. But water has got good things and bad things about it. And in the Bible, water has got some scary things about it, as well as some really lovely signs and promises about it as well. I was thinking about this, about water that, It's good because it quenches our thirst. It helps us clean things. We get to go swimming in it. There's other water sports. It's fun sometimes to splash in puddles if you're not responsible for doing the laundry afterwards. Uh, It's essential to life. We need it, and it makes you wet. So water's got lots of good things about it. But what else about water? Well, we read often about floods or droughts. Too much water, not enough water causes problems. Water can be like a force of chaos. Do you remember the tsunami 15, 16 years ago, Boxing Day? Oh, it's awful. It it can be an uncrossable barrier that we can't get over. Public swimming pools, need I say more? Although, actually, our New Britannia is lovely. But anybody who lived here for a while and knew the old Britannia, you know, enough says. Um, It can be powerful and unpredictable. I once went surfing uh, in uh, the Indian Ocean in Salt Rock in South Africa. Oh, my goodness, the waves are powerful and strong there. Far too much for me. Terrifying. I was like, no, I can't do this. Risk of drowning. You know, water's lovely to wash in. It's lovely to be submerged in. But stay under too long, and you're in trouble. Uh, It ruins barbecues, and it makes you wet. So, you know, good things and bad things. In the Bible... Water is a sign of chaos through which God brings new order or new life. So think about the beginning of creation. In the very beginning of Genesis it says that um, that, that in in the beginning the, the earth was void and formless and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. It was just waters. And then as the creation account goes on it says that God separated the waters to make the seas, the oceans, and to make the sky. And he brought the land forth. So, as it were, he brought creation and beautiful things out of the water, out of the forces of chaos. In the story of Moses and the Israelites, they were escaping captivity in Egypt, and they were being chased by Pharaoh's armies, and they got to the Red Sea. And this was death, certain death, because they couldn't cross the Red Sea, and they had Pharaoh's army coming before them. What were they going to do? Wade into the water and drown or just stay and get slaughtered by Pharaoh's army? Well, of course, what happened? God parted the waters of the Red Sea and made a safe way through. He brought them through certain death in the face of water and armies behind them into life. A little later, Joshua led the people of Israel to the borders of the Promised Land and he couldn't get on to the land that God had given them because the River Jordan was running too fast, so God stopped the water so that they could cross over. Time and time again, we see water as a threat, uh, something that could cause damage or death, that God has to stop the water to bring people through to life. But in the Bible, we also see water as a sign of blessing. In Ezekiel 48, there's the story of the river flowing out from the temple of God. And purifying all the salt water, the dead water, as it flows out and bringing life wherever it goes. In John chapter 7, Jesus says that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, streams of living water will flow from us. And in Revelation 21, at the very end of the Bible, it talks about the river of life in the new Jerusalem. So water, in our experience, has wonderful things about it and bad things about it. And water in the Bible has wonderful blessings and also threats as well. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And that brings us to baptism, which is what we're doing today. When we use water in baptism, it does symbolize several of these things. It symbolizes cleaning, it symbolizes new life, it symbolizes birth, but also it symbolizes drowning, being put to death with Christ. What we're saying is that There's part of every one of us that needs to be put to death with Christ. The part which is rebellious, the part which wants to do things our own way, the part which doesn't really like letting God be our creator and our Lord, but wants to be in charge of our own lives, that part of us has to be put to death in the waters of baptism. Drowned, if you like, in the waters of baptism. And we're going to have some baptisms by full immersion outside in a little while, and that's a really powerful symbol of this. Colossians 2, verse 12, uh, that we heard earlier, read by Serenity, says this, You have been buried with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And what St. Paul is saying in the Bible there is that when you're baptized, whether water is poured over your head or whether you're baptized into the waters by full immersion, it's saying you... you were buried with Christ. Just as Christ died and was buried in a tomb, St. Paul is saying it's a bit like that. You're being buried in the waters of baptism, and that, if you stayed down long enough, would really cause you trouble. That would really put you to death. But he's saying that's, that's to put to death the old self, and then you're going to be raised up with Christ as you come out of the water to new life i want to show you one more clip from an old film, but it's a film that I found really powerful when I watched it. It's a film called The Piano. And uh, in this clip, we're going to see the character Ada, central character of the film. And at the end of the film, she sees her beloved piano is representing everything about her past. It's everything that she's loved. It's everything. It represents her past life, her old life, her passion, her gift. And... It it, it represents all her sorrows, all of her hurts, and all of the wrongs that she has done and that have happened to her. And in this clip, you're going to see the piano drag her down into the waters. And she has to let go of her piano to begin new life. She must must put to death her old life with her piano and then surface to new life. Uh, So let's have a look at this clip. And Jesus is the one who offers us new life. Jesus is the one by whose power we can be disentangled from the powers of sin and death. Just like Ada was disentangled from that rope that was pulling her down, attached to her piano, into the depths. Baptism is a promise of new life. And baptism, uh, when, when, when Jesus promises us new life, baptism is a symbol that reminds us of what is to come. And we saw, didn't we, that God gave a rainbow to go in the sky to remind us that he's never going to destroy the earth, that he has chosen to save his people. Baptism is a promise of his love for us, and it's our promise to live obediently, faithfully, and joyfully in that love. Amen. Amen.